Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I didn't really understand anything until I was propositioned myself. This is Jake Kavanch. Back in 2015, when he was still a teenager, he was an intern at Vice Canada's Toronto office when Slava Pastuk was their music editor. One day, Slava propositioned Jake with a job that had nothing to do with journalism. He said that I would need to travel to uh, Las Vegas for a week, and then I would travel to Australia for a week, and I'd travel back to Canada. And all I had to do was bring a suitcase, and then when I got back to Canada, they paid me 10,000 Canadian. And this was Jake's first reaction. He was just kind of like, you down? And I, I didn't know what else to say, so I was like, oh yeah, like I'm, I'm interested. I'm Kasia Mihailovich, and this is Cool Mules. When I'm talking about that old vice, it was mostly just being shitty to your interns. Once he became an editor at Vice, that definitely put him in a, a category of uh, direct report. In some cases, it put him in a category of, of being a management or a boss. Sometimes bad people get into good jobs and exploit the power they have. You know, that is the nature of work. Last time, we met Slava Pasikov, the former vice editor and future inmate, who was waiting to plead guilty to drug conspiracy charges. I definitely do think I'm the probably one of the, I'm the biggest music journalists to have ever come from Toronto and probably like the top five in Canada. I mean, Nardwar, Nardwar was never on the front page of a newspaper for a drug trafficking scheme. Back in the fall of 2015, Slava was still just a web journalist. On the lookout, he told us, for a knockout crime story. He wanted to secure his job at Vice, maybe even become a host of one of the many new TV shows Vice was developing after they struck up a $100 million deal with a big media partner. And then one day, at his apartment, Slava says his friend Trey, whose real name I have learned is Michael Ford, told Slava about two jacked Canadian bros operating a cocaine smuggling ring across exotic locales like Brazil, Thailand, and Toronto. Slava doesn't want to implicate these two men. So in talking to us, he called the two men Tweedledum and Tweedledee. Mike, said Slava, knew them both from his time at McGill University in Montreal. I go, you know, this would be a really interesting story. Like, I want to figure out how this works. 
So he asked Michael to put him in touch. Slava said he and his friend, a former Vice co-worker named Ali Taki Lalji, met Michael and these bros at Soho House. It's the Toronto chapter of a private social club, popular with media and marketing types and recently hyped as Meghan Markle's Toronto Hangout. There's no Soho House sign outside the downtown mansion where it's located. The idea is that you just have to know that it's in there. And that's where Slava says he first met Tweedledum and Tweedledee over dinner, along with Ali and Mike. Everyone involved in this is like model-esque good-looking. And these people have like great skin and a great way about them and incredibly well-read. And you can just tell. And they also always say that they're flying from... Uh, BC to Toronto first class and they're staying at the Fairmont and these guys live a very luxurious lifestyle not to mention that they picked up our entire tab at the Soho house which is pretty extensive because we were there for a while but they mentioned how they had gotten into this and how it afforded them the luxury to do whatever they wanted and it just they described this lifestyle that was intoxicating. I haven't been able to confirm who Tweedledum and Tweedledee are and get their side of the story. As for their existence two other people involved in the story each said they met a person, one named Phil and the other named Yaz, who seemed to be running things. And of course, the 37 kilos of cocaine seized in Australia had to come from somewhere. But in telling you about this meeting, we have only Slava's account to go on. These guys are just the most interesting people I've ever met. And they start selling me and Ali on what it is that they do. We just call them the trips. People taking trips. So essentially, they would send a guy and a girl from Canada into America. While they're in America, they would meet up with another party who would give them a new set of luggage, replacing their existing luggage with a new set of luggage, which was lined with what we assumed at the time was cocaine and it was ended up being cocaine. They would then travel with that luggage from America into Australia, where they would meet up with another person who would take the luggage with the goods and upon returning back to Canada, they would be $20,000 richer and have a free trip to Australia under their belt. The operation, as Slava understood it, had been honed to perfection. Canadian couples first went to Vegas, where they were met by a contact who provided them with suitcases containing hidden compartments. He was told they ran multiple trips to Australia every week and had been doing so for at least two years but they needed a steady flow of new bodies to make the trips. They needed mules. They need people to go through the airport customs that will not arouse suspicion. So what they were looking for was couples, man and a woman, preferably white, preferably college-aged or under 40. People that would look like they'd be on vacation to Australia. And they would have you make up a story if you were indeed questioned. Slava had just met these guys. And they had just met him. Yet here they were, revealing their international criminal conspiracy to him and soliciting his involvement. I thought, this sounds cool. <laughs> this sounds like my ticket to a huge vice show. I mean, this... I thought it was cool. I thought that it was um, a really interesting story. And I thought that I should take advantage of this somehow. Like, I, I wasn't immediately thinking of the vice story angle, but the longer I thought about what we could do here, I thought it had the potential to be something big. Slava wasn't immediately thinking of the vice story angle. But of course, that's why he told us he was at the meeting in the first place, for the story. So which is it? Did he do it for the story 
or the money? I mean, at first coming into this, um, I wasn't, I didn't have money, you know? I, I wasn't, I was in debt from working and living downtown. So my immediate reaction was, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money and that would help me alleviate a lot of the problems in my life right now. Now, keep in mind, this is the reaction I had after meeting them. The reason I wanted to meet them was for the Vice story, just because I wanted to have an idea of how it was that this worked. Once they explained it to me and they sold it pretty well, I thought, this sounds like easy money. This sounds like a a no-risk, all-reward type of of scheme. It really did sound too good to be true. Maybe it doesn't matter which motive came first, since Slava cops to both of them. Not only is it a cool Vice story, but if I participate in this, I could pay off some of my credit card loans. He says he was offered $20,000 to take the trip with a female friend, all expenses paid. So split in half, if he chose to split it in half, that would be 10K each. I don't know, like, obviously it's $20,000 for something that sounds like it's a foolproof plan. And if there's a chance that I could go and look into it a little bit further, gain the trust of these people, run them as a source, it's a win-win. And uh, me and Ali both, I believe, looked at it the same way. As like, this is really interesting. Sorry, can I ask one question? How did you understand this to be foolproof? Like, did they explain how... The success, so, yeah. So when they were talking about the success rate, they talked about it being foolproof if you follow these steps. From what I understand, countries like Australia don't necessarily spend as much money on airport security. I mean, uh, when's the last time you saw a dog at the airport? If Slava had looked into Australian airport security, he would have learned that it's not nearly as lax as he'd been led to believe. In fact, border security is something of a national obsession in Australia. Had Slava simply Googled the words border security in Australia, he would have immediately discovered the hit reality show Border Security, Australia's front line. Tonight on Border Security... Smugglers insert drug pellets in an unlikely place. The show has been airing since 2004, and many episodes are specifically about drug muling. This would either have discouraged him from smuggling cocaine to Australia or given him plenty of visual research material to prepare him for his journey. Also, if getting cocaine into Australia were easy, it would probably be a lot cheaper to buy cocaine there. But Australia has the second most expensive cocaine in the world. It costs an average of $309 U.S. per gram. In Canada, a gram sells for about 60 bucks U.S. All of this is probably why Australia was the target country for the operation. Not because it's such an easy place for smuggling, but because it's so hard. High risk, high reward. But Slava accepted what he was told, that the operation was foolproof. These guys made it seem like they knew everybody at each stage of... Like we have someone in American customs. We have someone in Australian customs. Damn, we have someone flying the plane pretty much. Like they really say that they have someone at every stage of it. So when they ask you for a picture of your passport and you give it to them, you're thinking that this is going to be provided to all these people at the checkpoints so that my safety will be assured. I need to interject here to describe a problem Slava was facing right there in his telling of the story. You see, one of the main reasons why Slava said he got in touch with us in the first place, breaking years of silence to the media, was because he wanted everyone to know that he's been misrepresented by the press. 
he wasn't some predatory drug kingpin exploiting and endangering young drug mules. He was a young drug mule. Before any of the others went to Australia with luggage full of coke, he did that too. His problem was he couldn't actually say that in a recording without implicating himself in a crime he had never been charged with. The crime Slava pled guilty to was conspiracy to traffic cocaine to Australia. That's about the five other people who were caught with cocaine in their luggage on December 22, 2015. So when I first met Slava and the mic started rolling, this is as much as he was willing to say about smuggling the drugs himself. I went to Australia shortly after meeting Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Then here's what he said when pressed on this. Can we cut this off here? Can we pause it? Mm -hmm. What he told us right then, we agreed to hear off the record. And for a long time, all that Slava was willing to say was this. I took a trip to Australia, but I didn't take any cocaine with me. I talked my way out of that. Just use that for any, because it's like, you can editorialize it however you want, and you can say that you don't believe me. That's my on-the-record statement. We later pushed back on this too, and told Slava that when he openly lies about any part of this, he makes it hard for people to believe any of it. I get, I get what you're saying, but the only thing I'm lying about is omitting the names of certain individuals and the fact that I took cocaine to Australia, which again, I'm only potentially lying about because I don't want to be arrested for that. Here are the details he was comfortable sharing. He was originally going to go with his girlfriend at the time, but he says she pulled out at the last minute. I asked her for an interview so we could go over what was said about her. She declined the interview through a representative who wrote that the relationship was not a positive part of her life. When his girlfriend backed out, Slava had second thoughts himself. I told him that I would take a trip to Australia with the person I was seeing at the time. And when that person decided they didn't want to go, I floated the idea that, you know what, never mind, I can't do this. And then that's when the gravity of the situation kind of presented itself. So um, it wasn't an option to not go to Australia after you said you wanted to go to Australia. Backing out was not an option. Slava says it was Michael Ford, a.k.a. Trey, the guy who'd connected him with the scheme in the first place, who let him know. Yeah, well, Trey, Trey reminded me that one time one person tried to back out and they were tied to a chair and there were razor blades put under their fingernails. So that was, again, not something that they said they would do to me, but something that they said, hey, just to let you know, previously people in your situation have faced this result. Slava got the message. In place of his girlfriend, Slava recruited a guy named Isaiah Cargill, who goes by Pope or Plug Pope. Later, Slava got Pope on a Vice TV show called Payday. Pope does more than promote parties. He manages hip-hop artists and is a social media tastemaker. He sells his life as a brand, and he covers almost every angle to make money. In all honesty, I'm a hustler. I go get it. I seize opportunities. Slava says Pope had another hustle as well. Uh, my drug dealer. Yeah, my drug dealer went with me to Australia. We broke all of the norms, right? We weren't a male and female couple who were taking a trip together because we were done in university or whatever story that is par for the course. Now I was going not only with another guy, but a guy who looked conspicuous. Slava and Pope would have looked extra conspicuous as a duo supposedly vacationing together in Australia. Instead of the young, straight, white couple the foolproof plan called for, 
Slava and Pope made for an odd pair, with tall, balding Slava looking like he could be 30, and Pope, who is short, slight, and black, looking even younger than his 19 years. In fact, later on, when Slava needed to find some teenagers for a Vice video, Pope was one of the kids he used. Let's find out what teens think. I'm here with L.A. and Pope, who you may remember from our ASAP Rocky debate, and they're going to tell you about the best things that came out in 2015. Definitely Drake. I wasn't able to confirm that Pope sold drugs, like Slava says he did. But again, his handle is Plug Pope. Plug as in source, usually meaning for drugs or hard-to-find luxury goods. And Pope as in supreme pontiff of said drugs or luxury goods. He now works in retail. I've tried to get in touch with him over several months. He's never answered me. When I asked Slava for the details about exactly how he and Pope received the drugs in Vegas and then handed them off in Sydney, he answered in the hypothetical. What would happen is that you would show up in Vegas to your preordained hotel, you'd get a burner telephone, and you would uh, meet a gentleman in the parking lot, from what I understand, it was a member of the cartel who would take your empty luggage, give you a new set of empty luggage, and drive away. During the time Slava says they were on the trip, Pope did post photos of himself in Las Vegas and Sydney. One from November 25th had Pope in shorts on a balcony overlooking a harbor. It's a beautifully sunny, cloudless day, with sailboats all lined up in the water, framed by a forested island behind it. Plug Pope's caption reads, Sip, sip, Sydney. Got that perp in my kidney. My trip was incredibly short. I was in Australia for three days. My jet lag didn't even catch up to me. Slava and Pope returned to Toronto on November 27, 2015. Once I was back, though, it was I was on cloud nine, you know, because I had put this behind me and... I was actually really happy because I was one step closer to my eventual goal of wanting this to be a story. But Slava didn't pitch this to Vice as a story. As far as Vice knew, his absence was due to a death in the family. He wasn't good at maintaining the lie, though, because he says he was just too giddy to talk about how he had just gotten away with something huge. People got hip to the trip because I couldn't contain the fact that I was so happy that I had gotten back. And, you know, I was just like, you would never believe what I just did. You know how I told you my grandpa died and I was in Ukraine? Guess where I really was? So I told people about it. And this is crucial to Slava's version, the version he wants you to hear. He wasn't soliciting vulnerable kids to smuggle drugs for his benefit. He was just bragging about how he smuggled drugs. He told all kinds of people. One of those people was Jake. That's next. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. So funny enough, Slava was somebody that I kind of connected with um, immediately when I joined Vice. You met Jake Kavanch earlier. In the summer of 2015, he stopped going home to his parents in Scarborough because they weren't getting along. He tried to break into journalism by freelancing. And full disclosure, during this summer, he wrote a story about crime reporting for Canada Land, the company I work for. I started at Ryerson University like, as a journalism student. And then uh, during the summer, I was kind of like couch hopping uh, and I was collecting a lot of stories downtown Toronto, but I didn't really know a place to publish them. And a friend of mine was actually working at Vice at the time. She kind of helped me link up with an editor there. My dream at that time was like to work at Vice. And then it came true. Jake remembered first encountering Slava right before his internship started. Jake had a scoop. Ryerson was having a Frosh concert, and I had found out through one way or another that uh, Drake was the surprise guest, and it was like a secret. So I sent Slava an email, because I knew he was editor at Noisy. I'm like, hey, I have this scoop. Drake and Future can perform at Ryerson. I can get you exclusive photos by tomorrow morning or whatever. And he's like, yeah, totally. That sounds sick. Like, boom. Here's Future at that show performing Move That Dope. What a real Toronto way right now. Make some noise, When I started Advice, I met Slava there, and I was like, hey, I'm that dude. And he's like, oh, true, what's up? Like, great, nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. And he sort of, like, took me under his wing for a little bit. Jake says that at first, he considered Slava a friend. I mean, we're both white guys interested in hip-hop, and he's kind of, like, had become a staple in the city for that, right? So I think he also saw that I might be able to, like, navigate in the scene, which is, like, important, because the one thing I'll say about Slava is that he was effective at making friends with artists in the city and made them feel comfortable. A lot of journalists come off to artists as like cops almost. So Slava was able to earn the trust of people. And I think that he was able to see that I could also move in the same way as him. Like I could interact with artists. So he just took me to some events and like introduced me to some people. I definitely felt like I had like a mentor in him. I definitely felt like he's someone I could look up to. Getting in with Slava was a lucky break for a kid like Jake. Slava could open doors at Vice and elsewhere. They started hanging out. As winter set in, Jake's contract was winding down. Every internship is like a countdown. A three-month internship is three months to convince them to keep you on. I got really sucked into the culture there and like the whole energy of it, you know, very exciting. And that's sort of what they kind of like wrap everybody in with is that you don't want to leave Vice because it's such like this alluring brand, you know, you're like, it's, it's too cool. You're never going to go anywhere as cool, you know, and they like dangle opportunities over you. But most of the time I was there, I just got paid the same rate I would have got paid for working as a barista. That's where Jake was at when Slava reached out. Honestly, it was very sudden. Slava had like texted me, I think, or might have slacked me, I forget which, but he basically asked when my internship was ending. And I told him, I don't, I don't know. He, he said, oh, I might have some work for you after you're done. I said, whoa, that's awesome. Like, you know, I thought maybe, oh, I'd go in the U.S., take some photos for Noisy, whatever. That sounds amazing. Um, he's like, next time we're in, let's get coffee. I was like, cool. So next time I was in, I slacked him around noon. I was like, let's get some coffee. He's like, cool. 
you're walking, turn the corner, there's this coffee shop. That's where I thought we were going. And kind of as I went to turn in there, he's like, no, no, let's keep going. Let's keep going. It's like, okay. So we keep walking. And then as we got to the next corner, he kind of, he kind of asked me first if I um, had traveled to Australia. And then he asked me to shut my phone off. So I did. He was very vague with it at first. I had to like press him, but he's like, so, you know, uh, it's super chill, but basically what you do is you, uh, he asked if I had a girlfriend. I said, no, I don't. He said, I need to find like someone who could preferably would be white, the same height as me, someone who's not suspicious. He said that I would need to travel. I would, I would travel to, uh, Las Vegas for a week and then I would travel to Australia for a week I traveled back to Canada and all I had to do was bring a suitcase and then when I got back to Canada they paid me 10,000 Canadian um, and then he was like you can choose to tell the girl you're with or not you guys can split the money or you can keep it for yourself doesn't matter you'll remember that when Slava took the trip he said that there had been $20,000 to split for Jake it was just 10 by the time we were like halfway because we are doing like basically a full loop around the block and at this point I'm like holy fuck like as soon as he started telling me this I like just had the worst feeling inside of me because I, I, I genuinely thought like he had an opportunity for me, like journalism. And here he's like basically saying, yo, do you want to uh, traffic drugs? We got back to the office. He was just kind of like, you down? And I, I didn't know what else to say. So I was like, oh yeah, like I'm, I'm interested. He said, cool. Like by the end of the week, send me a scan of your passport, this girl's passport. And so I got back and I was like, the whole day, I didn't know what the fuck to think. I left the office early. I wanted to tell my editors, but I didn't know. I, 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 was, I was worried that like, I was gonna like get like fired or something for like snitching. And, and also I just, I was just like, I didn't want to piss off Slav. I didn't, I didn't know what to do. So I just didn't say anything. Similar to the walk that Ben took me on when he asked me for a gun, I took Jake on the same path and I go, you know, I found out about this cool thing and explained how it worked to him. So Jake got a pretty good understanding of how it worked, and he had expressed interest in going on the trip himself. We asked Jake, did you ever really consider going on the trip? Yeah. That's the thing that bothers me the most. That's the thing that stuck with me, is I almost did it. I didn't, like, almost do it. You know, there was a big part of me that was like, this is stupid and highly risky, but I was broke. And that's the thing that, that fucked everything up for me, was it made me realize that there's an environment where you have tons of people who are not financially sound and not maybe not smart enough to know that there's other ways of getting out of things. I trusted this guy and he, you know, there was a part of me that was like, just to avoid the embarrassment and avoid everything, maybe I'll just do it. Maybe. I couldn't separate my identity there because I felt like almost wrong like I was like oh this is like vice like why am I being like a snitch about this like why am I like getting upset about this you know I didn't want to disappoint him and I felt like again I was just sort of like yeah I was looking for tons of people's approval advice uh, but I just didn't want to I didn't want to be this young person in the company causing a shit storm within the first few months there and I didn't want to be the person to appear like not up to the job in front of Slava, even though that's not my job, you know, trafficking drugs is not in my qualifications, but it's still hard to turn down because it, it, it was presented to me in a way that I wasn't prepared for. It was presented to me in a way where it's like, oh, we're going for a walk, talk about work. It's like, it doesn't matter what kind of work, I guess. But it came from the perspective of being like, I have some work for you. I'm your superior, et cetera. 
directed at me. Slava gave me the complete lowdown of this plan and was trying to make me feel as comfortable as possible in order to agree to do this and gave me a very small time frame to think about it. If that's not pressuring or propositioning, I don't know. I don't know what it is. When Jake talked about the pressure he felt at the time to not disappoint Slava, he also talked about the pressure he felt not to cause trouble advice by snitching. That's the thing. It's like the professional line's advice weren't clear. That's the thing. It's just, it's, it's so ambiguous when you work there. Everything's so ambiguous. Like there's no, there's no ethics or guidelines for yourself really. And so there's no ethics and guidelines for other people. So you're constantly sort of questioning like, is this okay? Is this okay? Advice, when this all happened, being okay with stuff was actually a matter of policy. Jake and everyone else at Vice had to sign a non-traditional workplace agreement. This contract said that Vice promotes an environment of free speech. And when you signed it, you acknowledged that you were conscious of Vice's non-traditional environment and comfortable with exposure to and participation in situations that may present themselves during the course of employment. It continued. I agree to hold Vice harmless from any and all claims I may have based upon Vice's workplace environment. Vice stopped using that contract in 2017 after allegations that it was used to silence, justify, and cover for sexual harassment in the workplace. Today, Jake sees that he dodged a bullet. He's realized that Slava was not a friend, but a guy who tried to exploit him. In the days after Slava's proposition, Jake didn't send him a copy of his passport, but he also didn't snitch. Like he said, he thought he could get fired for not being cool about it. And Slava seemed friendly with the guys at the top. For all Jake knew, the whole office could have been aware of Slava's side hustle and cool with it. Maybe some were even in on it. But he couldn't be sure. It, when, when you build a place that is basically, they pay you in coolness, you know, and you stay there because of coolness, you start being worried about how that currency might leave you, right? So if you get called out as a snitch in the company, your, your value there has just dropped exponentially. So he said nothing. Carrying Slava's secret felt really lonely. But then three or four days later, Jake was out at the Beaver, a bar on Queen West, with some vice coworkers just a few blocks from the office. It was drinks for a colleague, a staff writer named Tanera Yelland, who'd just been fired that day. And while I was there, I got like a little bit drunk and I was with some people and I said, would you guys ever traffic drugs for $10,000? Instantly, three people looked towards me and said, Slava? When he brought it up, I was like, oh, I know what you're talking about. Slava is the person you're talking about and you're talking about the exact same thing that was proposed to me. That's Tanera Yelland. She worked at Vice for a year. And once again, full disclosure, she was once a Canada Land intern and contributor. She's a freelancer now and a graduate student at York University. At the time she was fired, she was trying to organize a union at Vice. Slava sent me a message on Slack asking if I wanted to get a coffee. And when we went out for a walk to the coffee shop, he brought up this opportunity sort of as a hypothetical at first, I think. Then very quickly he was like, no, this is a real thing. It's really happening and would you like to do it? And yeah, like he was really bringing it up to me, offering it to me, encouraging me to do it, offering sort of 
reassurances, I think, would be the best way to say it, like in terms of talking about the lining in the suitcase and how he said he'd done it and it was fine and there's really no risk to it and you get paid so much money. So he was like selling me on it and definitely asking me to do it very shortly. It just, it sounded like something out of a movie. Like I've seen the movie Blow with Johnny Depp (laughs) and it reminded me of that movie. And I mean, I know that movie is based on a real story, but I don't live in a movie. So it just seemed very bizarre that this was being proposed to me, but it also sounded extremely legitimate. The way that he was presenting it, his demeanor when he was talking about it, like the the details that he was giving. When she got home that day, Tanera told her roommate about her conversation with Slava. And he was like, oh, that's wild. <laughs> and then pretty much as soon as like saying it out loud to another person, I was like, yeah, I can't, I can't do this for five million different reasons. So I think sometime in the next couple days, I either said or messaged to Slava like, thanks, but I think I'm good. And I don't think it really makes sense for me to do that right now. I might have used the excuse that it was coming up too soon just because I didn't necessarily want to be like, thanks for inviting me into your criminal conspiracy, but I'm not interested. (laughs) Why didn't you want to be like that? Uh, That's a good question. (laughs) Um, I guess I wouldn't have wanted to make things awkward, which is a very weird impulse to have in that scenario. But I think that probably was what it was. Did that ever cross your mind to be like, that's something you should report to your boss? I just don't really um, want to, I guess, make trouble for people at work or something or in general. And then the other part of it is probably also that like there is such a weird permissive work culture there or was when I was there around drug use and stuff. I don't know if it was sanctioned by management really, but I think it was just sort of a snowball effect of like early Vice's reputation still being somewhat intact and then people sort of feeling like they had a certain amount of license because of that co-workers hanging out after work and doing drugs, which people at other workplaces do also, of course. But I think there was a certain sense that it was slightly more acceptable. So I think that just contributed to the fact that I didn't think to bring it up because it seemed like something that would happen while you work there. Or like, if this is going to happen at any workplace, this would be the workplace where it would happen. Tanera hoped that after she politely declined, Slava would just drop it. But he didn't. On the day that she was fired, while she was out at the Beaver for a sympathetic drink with Jake and some other friends, Slava reached out again. It was while we were there that I got a text from Slava basically saying, like, I heard that you're not working at Vice anymore. If you need some money, the offer is still good. Let me know. He re-upped his offer. Yeah, in light of my immediate economic precarity. (laughs) And it just like really irked me because it was very clearly 
not actually about trying to extend a helping hand. It was really just that he saw an opportunity to get me to do this thing is how it felt to me. So, yeah, Tanera knew exactly what Jake was talking about when he asked that question to a table of vice employees. And we realized that moment that different people had at the table been approached, but not all of us. So all the white people that pretty much at the table were approached um, and all of the young people. It was at that moment that I was kind of like, I felt better because I was like, holy shit, I haven't been shouldering this entire thing by myself. I thought maybe he'd just come for me. In that moment, Jake felt better. And then Jake got mad. He didn't approach people who had strong like characters. He didn't approach people who were like very like sure of themselves. He approached people who were unsure and who might need the money. It was like so apparently clear from the people he approached advice that they were people who were young or like financially disadvantaged, 100%. You know, I don't really have anything against the sale of drugs or even particularly the trafficking of drugs. It's just not morally something I feel like a way about. But the way that he propositioned me and propositioned other people and the sort of that to me is like predatory. There's people who now have suffered, who've lost all the time that I've had since to think about it. They've just sat in a jail. Next time on Cool Mules, Slava recruits others to follow in his footsteps and smuggle drugs to Australia under threat of violence. Now, if somebody puts a gun to your head and says, if you don't take this to fucking Sydney, I'm going to fucking kill your family. You're taking it to Sydney. Cool Mules is hosted and reported by me, Kasia Mihailovich, and is written and produced by me and Jesse Brown. Research from Jonathan Goldsby. Kevin Sexton is our managing editor. Music by Nathan Burley. Sound design and mix by Chandra Bullockon. The next episode of Cool Mules will be out next week. Or you can listen to our entire six-episode series right now, ad-free, and support our journalism for $5 a month. Just click the link in the show notes or visit coolmules.ca slash join. And the whole show will be on your phone or computer in minutes. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. 
Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide. 